Welcome, everyone, to the Ad.Podcast. Podcast. Uh, this time, I have a very uh, interesting guest and uh, an old uh, friend, Paul Rayner, with me. Paul is the founder of Virtual Genius, which is a consulting and training company. He's also the founder of Explore DVD Conference, which is uh, held in the United States in Denver. And Paul and I go uh, way back, I guess, uh, 15 years, maybe. I'm calculating quickly. It seems like we had at some. Least, yeah, at, at least, least. So, so, when yeah. you were living in Denver. That's yeah. when we first connected. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, Paul, um, say what you'd like about yourself, you know, the, the, the genius part of the virtual genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always joke about that. I, I actually first incorporated that company in Australia in 95, I think it was. And it was always meant to be a bit of a joke that, you know, there's real genius and then there's virtual genius. And it started out as a web design company because it was the mid 90s and that's what everyone was doing. But then when I incorporated it uh, here in Denver almost 20 years ago, it was it originally started out as a side gig. And then around 2009, I, I went full time as a consultant and really have built that around domain driven design uh, primarily since then. And it's just been a lot of fun to be a consultant and be able to come into companies and, and different contexts and learn quickly and and help people, hopefully help people with better situations. So, yeah, I live in Colorado, uh, where you used to be until you defected to uh, the southern states. <laughs> yeah, there's a story behind that too. I don't know if they ever told you, but um, well, and you know, so just to, I, I think let's walk the timeline a, a little bit. It was, mm. pr- I don't, I don't even remember what you just said about one of your earliest uh, ISA, the International. Um, Association, Ar- of, Association of Software Architects, which yeah. is still going from what I understand. Yeah. 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 So, so you, that, you and, go ahead. Yeah, I got started. What, what happened with that, I'll just tell it from my perspective, I guess, is I was working as a software architect at a company and I really just didn't know any other software architects. This was the time when um, alt.net was really kind of ascendant and, and there was just a lot of buzz around behavior-driven development and test-driven design, test-driven development and, and domain-driven design and things like that. And I didn't really feel like I had anyone I could talk to about these kinds of things. And then I found the ISA website and I remember we, we reached out to the organization and ended up starting a chapter in Denver in, in the tech center. Um, and my good friend, Tim Berglund, who, uh, you know, we've been friends for a long time. He came on as kind of like both of us running it together with some help from other people and, and just started trying to run regular meetings. I think every month down in the tech center to, to provide something for people that were actually designing systems, right. And that cared about things like software design. There really wasn't anything at the time like that. It seemed like every meetup or user group was mostly focused on tools and frameworks rather than design and modeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, Kevin Jeminick was working as I recall up in the, Boulder area. I don't even recall exactly how I met Kevin, but I think it was Kevin who told me about ISA and suggested that I join. So um, I did that somewhere along the way. I don't know if it was 
2008, 2009, right. somewhere in that time frame. Somewhere in that time frame. Time yeah. frame, yeah. And Kevin was really instrumental in getting that off the ground too, and and just uh, yeah, really good at connecting people and and contributing to that. So that was a good season because uh, mm-hmm. we were able to you know connect a lot of people, and you know that's I think how you and I met because you you came and spoke at the. Um, at the monthly meeting and, um, you know, just really brought a lot of expertise in terms of domain driven design and, and, uh, yeah, kind of connected that way, I guess. Yeah. I, in fact, as I recall, the first talk that I gave about DDD was, I think a kind of tag team thing. You, um, somehow or another during the meeting, we both learned that we were using (laughs) DDD and, one of us said, why don't we co-present? And, and I recall you said, I, I want to talk about the strategic patterns. And I said, okay, I'll take the tactical patterns. And, sure. and uh, I don't know if we actually spoke on the same night. I think maybe we did, or maybe you took the first part on one month and I took another, but I do remember that mm-hmm. fairly well that, that it happened. And um, yeah, so that was sort of, you know, the beginning of, um, mutual interest in, in, or at least knowledge of mutual interest in DVD. Then I recall right. that you told me, um, I'm going to go out to somewhere in the East Coast, I think, to, to Eric's um, DVD immersion workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was at the time. And you did. And you came back and um, you told me, I'm going to get Eric to come to Denver and for something. Right. He was going right. to come to Denver. And, and, and what it ended up being was uh, he taught um, DVD immersion That's right. um, in Denver. He invited me to attend and you actually did some teaching as a, <laughs> yes. that was your, ki- that was your kickoff. Um, that was, that was my yeah. trial by fire. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I still feel bad. You had to experience that. <laughs> no, I thought, I thought it was good. And you know, what was, what was good is the times that Eric wasn't directly teaching, he was there to ask questions and, and clarify and, um, so no, it, it worked out very, very well. I would not have wanted to be in your position, frankly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. I've, I've already, I've given talks with, uh, Eric in the room and that's never, you know, like easy for me. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I, I look back, that was really a, a challenging process because what Eric wanted to do was to ensure that anybody that taught his material, taught the immersion class was really capable of doing it justice. And so, that whole process involved me attending the class. And then that summer, I, I taught half the material uh, in New York with Eric. And at the end of every day, he would give me feedback on how my section went, which mm-hmm. was awesome. And, and then in, uh, I think it was just before Black Friday, that November, the one you came to in Denver down in Lone Tree, it was the same process. I taught the other half of the, the curriculum with feedback from Eric, and that was with some prep work prior to the workshop of teaching the material to Eric over these types of video calls and getting <laughs> feedback, live mm-hmm. feedback on that as well. So it was rigorous would be an understatement, but it was funny because right after that Thanksgiving, I went and taught the the full class at, at a client, and I was very I confident remember, that I could I, do it. I remember who that client is. Is wasn't it Coles? <laughs> uh-huh. It was Coles, and I think you got some uh, 
consulting after that. And, but they had experienced some really bad, um, you know, outages and stuff previous uh, on previous Black Fridays, right? And that they've was had a lot there. of challenges with that. You know, I, I think anytime you have somebody that, especially a retailer or any retailer that is first going into like e-commerce scale kind of transactions and the complexities of distributed systems and, and all of that, you, you're going to expect some challenges. And, and like a lot of companies, they, they butted up against that for sure. And it was just a, a real joy. I, I really enjoyed my time learning their systems and, and training and, and coaching with them. So that was, that was really my first experience of, of going in and doing that type of work. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Getting on an airplane to go to a client, that's always cool, <laughs> right? When you're mainly working uh-huh. around town, it's like, hey, wow, this is neat, you know? So. Uh, and especially for me, because I was just really starting out with some of that. And and so uh, being able to have that level of trust to be able to go in and do that. And, and I just love the, you know, you build the relationships with people at, at the client and see the impact you can make. So yeah. it was a good experience. Yeah. Go from there. So, um, so now fast forward a little bit. We co-founded DDD Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like May of 2011. We started mm-hmm. it and it was a nice um, opportunity to kind of get things going on on something different something interesting and we had a really good show up i think we may have had 20 or 30 people show up for the very mm-hmm. first one uh there was uh, dave muirhead who um had been using dvd for you know some work and he was there i think so actually randy stafford showed up at, i think at one of the isa meetings right. and that was that actually randy showed up and i had no i had i had maybe exchanged emails with Randy or something, but I had never uh, met him personally. And I had some reason to kind of be nervous about him being there. And I remember I gave a patterns talk and <laughs> I, I presented some patterns that I myself developed. And I recall Randy at the end of the talk going, okay, so how many uses of that pattern or what, one of the, pat- whatever, all the patterns yeah. have you seen, right? And I was like, What's he getting at? And so I literally just, I didn't know what he was driving right. at. So what, I, what is the question? So I li- yeah. yeah, so I literally counted in my head, and thankfully I came up with the number three or four and, and because of, you know, real uses of them. And I found out later why he asked is because of Ward Cunningham's um, C, uh, C3.com, the wiki. And mm. there, there, was a, there was a wiki page out there called The Rule of Three, which stipulated that if you did not have at least three references to a pattern, it was not a pattern. Now I, I, now I know that since then, I think the, the rule of three has kind of changed or been diminished. Uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Wurfsbrock said, ah, we don't use that anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a pattern. If it's a pattern, it's a pattern, you know? And, and so anyway, but I survived that test, <laughs> but I didn't know it was coming, it can, but yeah. It can be a little intimidating, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, yeah. So some pretty cool history. So we had small talkers in the area and DDD yeah. people in the area. So it made sense to, to start up a, a meetup and we did. And so as they say, and I'm really glad we did because 
there's just something about having a space and arena for people that are like-minded to connect and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it provided a way for people to, you know, present on things that they were learning and, and, you know, just connect with each other and learn from each other. And I think it, it helps grow community and, and I, I personally got a, a lot out of it. I mean, it's, I, I'm sure I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing if that hadn't have happened. So I'm grateful to you and to everyone else that was involved in that. Yeah, it was, those were nice times, very nice times. And uh, so, okay, so now a little bit forward from there, I, I wrote my book. Um, I don't even remember exactly when I, decided to write a book, but I didn't really get involved with it until near the time when we started the, the meetup. I just mm-hmm. didn't have time until then. And I, and I set aside some, you know, t- dedicated time to work on that. And, uh, and you did some reviews kindly for me and you even it's mainly, mainly on the aggregates chapter, I think. Was what... it? Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, okay. So then actually, Right at, was it right after? Um, so I know that we had the first DDD summit out in Portland, Maine, near, you know, basically at Eric's house, but not at his house. At a, right. he, he, he got a library for cheap because it was a nonprofit thing and, and, um, in the Portland library. Um, and I don't remember though, was that early in May or is that actually in June when we had the summit and then we started? the meetup after or before anyway it was like right in that That's same time frame right that yeah that, in my yeah, mind it's all kind of muddled together i can't even really tease apart the the sequence of things yeah so um so yeah anyway there's there was that happening and then uh, at the ddd summit uh some of us took on you know like okay let's write some essays on um certain you know big items that were that's right confusing to people and i think that that martin fowler who was there um he just i think he wrote but um i think maybe it was in his blicky or something like that you know like his wiki Mm -hmm. but um and i don't remember maybe it was bounded context or something and i decided okay let me take the aggregates that's right Mm -hmm. and that was sort of like okay that became that actually was the was that the genesis for, for kind of kicking things off with the book or was the book I, I started I started the book a few months before that, like in sure. earnest. Well, you know, you always think you're gonna write a book, but um, it's yeah. it's a big challenge and, and, it, and unless you set aside time to actually do this and you know, you're just not gonna finish. So I finally really had like a way to, to focus on that. But the the aggregates essay became, I guess it's chapter ten in uh, the red book. So, um, I mean, I elaborated a bit on that, but so valuable to me was that you and Eric, um, gave feedback on it. And I, I recall that, um, Eric, you know, he, he, um, he printed out the chap or the, the essay and he took his pen and he just circled like big areas and go, and he says, move this to, and then maybe he put an asterisk there or something, and it would be like three pages down. And I would go, right. oh man, I really messed that up. And, you know, 
And, and so that's, that, that's the kind yeah. of level of care and attention I would expect from him. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, um, this is totally in the wrong place. And, and I, you know, and the thing is, I remember even talking to you about it. I was like, really? Like, and, and then when I rearranged things, the way he said, I was like, wow, he's right. You know, mm -hmm. uh, then I read it and it's like, man, that, you know, that's pretty cool. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that was kind of that. And then, um, yeah. so then my, my essay after all the review and everything, I, I wrote the essay and Eric ended up putting it on, um, uh, on domain language, right? Yeah. yeah. Domainlanguage.com, I think it is. And it was for the DDD community and that got a lot of, um, attention. And I also gave a couple talks on the essay at the DDD meetup in Denver. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you videoed, I think at least one part, I think it was a two part. And I think you, cause I wrote the essay in two parts. I think it was, right. I think I had, and then, so I gave one part and then you, um, I think we didn't have the video for some reason on the first part and then the second part. It's still up on Vimeo, I think, mm. if, if I recall. So anyway, yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah. I, you know, I start talking about these things and, and one memory brings up another memory. And so there's a lot of history there. Cool. Well, and I think for maybe for both of us, it was kind of a formative time in terms of, you know, you getting implementing DDD out was, was a huge, um, step forward i think in terms of finally having something that we could direct people to that uh not only gave implementation on things but talked through with aggregate design for example what are what are some rules of thumb for aggregate design and provided implementations of those that people could then look at and actually do something with in in uh, a more up-to-date kind of fashion so i think that was a, a critical piece i mean there, there's a lot of books on domain-driven design out now but but back then there was really eric's and jimmy nielsen's i remember uh and and yours mm -hmm. um and and so that was a big step forward especially you know just providing examples for people on how to do this kind of thing mm -hmm. let's get into explore dd you, you invited me to teach a workshop and give a talk which i did both and it was successful and i think it was pretty amazing i mean you you had quite a number of, I don't remember the number of attendees. It was at least a few hundred, maybe, maybe 300. I don't know. Hmm. Or maybe yeah, it was, for a first conference, we had a good showing for, for it. And it's, you know, those first three years before the pandemic came, it continued to grow each year. And I was just really impressed with how, you know, we were able to get such a great lineup of instructors for the pre-conference workshops and, and, and speakers and, and, you know, everyone uh, rallied around wanting to make it a good event because a conference is only as good as, you know, the, the people that are participating in it, whether they're either contributing through speaking or whether they're attending the conference and, and participating in the, the training or the workshops or the hands-on sessions, whatever it happens to be. So it was, I mean, I joke with people, it was a little selfish in that uh, let's run a conference in my city so that everyone comes here. <laughs> uh, and, but I think it was, it's probably a good location in terms of being somewhat central for everyone in, in North America. And, and we've had people come over from Europe. We've also had people join us from um, Brazil and, and um, 
Peru and uh, other South American countries, um, as well yeah. as from around the US and, and Canada as well. So, And a big trigger for that was seeing, I mean, for years, Skills Matter had been running the DDD Summit, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, the DDD Exchange. And, mm-hmm. and so there was this momentum in London every year of mm-hmm. everyone converging on that. And then they started DDD Europe. I think that was Brussels 2016. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then out of that, the thought was, okay, well, let's try doing something in North America that can kind of uh, meet that need. And it's always felt a little bit more like bootstrapping it here in North America than, than something that was already established in, in Europe that, uh, that leads to a, a different dynamic here, I think, in North America. But uh, yeah. my hope is that we continue, we continue to grow it, we continue to help people connect and, and through the videos and, and everything provide a way for people to learn more about what's going on and push each other to encourage each other to do better yeah greater yeah. heights I yeah I, I think there's sort of this real sort of startup kind of mentality and and it's infectious you know where it's just really get it out there you know like ship it break things and there is truly that and ha- has been that attitude for a long time in the united states especially you know i would say the western part and and you know bay area of course um and Seattle and places like that. And, and so I think that there is a lot of pressure for startups to just deliver. But then what do we see, right? Like years later, we see these successful unicorns and they're like begging for help to get out of the situation that they can, cre- that they created. But, I, and you, you know, you explain it's not easy, right? I mean, after they get there, somehow they think, I mean, you know, I've had many, many opportunities to go into very large companies, unicorns and old established companies. And they somehow think that, you know, like I'm going to teach a workshop or two and then consult for a week. And it's just going to be like, you know, thanks. Mm-hmm. It's, it's done. Anyway, uh, I wish we could uh, have a greater impact on the early part of um startup work or, or even just, you know, transformations, modernization efforts, because, it, you know, it actually is not expensive to design, right? I mean, there, there have been, it's more expensive maybe than, than not designing, but it's not like sort of like, well, let's spend the next six months, you know, trying to figure out what we're going to do and then we'll finally do something. I mean, you know, if you're using event storming, for example, and other tech, you know, tools for rapid understanding, rapid learning, it's just not that, um, just not, don't have to put that much time into it. And you can actually then be experimenting with domain model code within a few days or, or a week, you know, at, at most. Right. T- tell me your experience that's, with that. Yeah, that's always been the goal, right, is to... You know, there, there was this pushback, and I think rightly so, against big design up front when you have teams that are making decisions that are hard to reverse early on in the process and on on very little information, very little knowledge. And 
And so this whole big design upfront, I think, can be problematic. But it's like the pendulum, pendulum has swung the other way to no design upfront or very, very mm-hmm. little. Mm-hmm. And so I like to push back against that with techniques like event storming and say, okay, well, you can, you can try and optimize for big discovery upfront where you're trying to rapidly increase the amount of knowledge you have as a team and, and then be able to make better decisions, be able to expose areas where the, the knowledge is not as good as you would like it to be, areas where maybe you need to invest because you find that that's an area that you know maybe your core domain is in somewhere unexpected and, and so you need to invest in that early so that you can make sure that you have more time for experiments and instead of getting in a situation where you, you do all the meat and potatoes kind of functionality and then run out of time at the end to do the thing that really was justifying mm-hmm. the development in the first place. Now, that would be an extreme example, but it's this whole idea of, you know, can we do a small amount of event storming or some visualization technique that allows us to then quickly move to prototyping or whatever we need to do to be able to make uh, make a good design based on what we know and then something that we can adapt over time towards what we, what we really need. So it's not about just getting... Uh, you know, not trying to justify it as, oh, this is a long-term investment that's only going to pay off in the long term. I think that it can pay off in the very short term in terms of getting people on the same page or, or even just exposing where they're not on the same page can be incredibly powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And two, you know, <laughs> I think people imagine that domain-driven design was actually meant to be used everywhere. And that, that was right. never really the the intention. And um, so, you know, I try to get people to understand, look, you don't have to DDD everything. You can be sloppy and fast in some places, right? If that, if, if those are maybe supporting areas and you just got to get it done and you can spend time correcting and and cleaning up. Good enough. Good enough is good enough. And lean on the frameworks, lean on the tools, whatever you need. Right. But, but be careful with these really, really important, important ones that, you know, as it were your secret sauce and give attention to those and make those, you know, design those so that they are changeable, that they can hold up to the change, or you can build on those for new um, opportunities to, to innovate. And, and, and so, and, you know, I do get involved in these um, transformation and modernization efforts. And I just, you know, it's like these, they've got these gigantic systems and and their effort goes into like identifying, you know, like 85 different subdomains and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, bounded context. And they say, well, it's really hard. Well, of course it's hard. How can you, how can you just look at a system and start choosing, you know, okay, well, this is a bounded context and this, but you know, well, no, you have to start with a core domain and figure out what are the, supporting subdomains or whatever, you know, even generic that, that exists that you can lean on to do your work, then you can understand, okay, well, let's take those things that we depend on and clean those, those up and extract them and, or whatever it is, or, you know, and, and, and I try to emphasize that and it, the message just doesn't get across very well because they've already sort of made up their mind that they're just going to change everything. And it's impossible. I think they'll, it it is impossible. It's that, you know, sort of boil the ocean kind of approach yeah. instead of something that, you know, I think in a lot of situations, something that's more surgical and 
and more focused on, like you said, the core domain where those strategic opportunities are and going after that first. And instead of trying to wholesale replace the whatever that legacy system is or that legacy functionality is, is being more strategic about it and, mm-hmm. and going after where it really matters. You know, what, what makes it worth uh, moving in these new directions and how could we get there in, a, in an additive kind of way, leveraging what we already have with, with the, a view to, over time, applying something perhaps like the strangler fig pattern or something like that to be able to, if you really do need to get off the legacy system, to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. well, and, and here's the thing, right? Like, let's say, let's say we're putting this out there as kind of like, take, take our advice. We've done this. <laughs> yeah. So take right. our advice, but show up to D to explore DVD because you're going to just, you're going to springboard from that, you know, with this sort of basic knowledge, don't start with the, you know, boil the ocean. Um, but, you know, start with a core domain and learn from that what you need to, to depend on in the legacy. Then think about how you could clean up those areas or extract them to make them more, you know, uh, changeable if necessary, or at least right. just easier to deal with um, so they're not tangled up. But now, okay, how do you actually model Right. This is why people need to talk to you, um, invite you in to teach and, and train, or I mean, uh, and consult. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I get those opportunities too. And, but Explore DDD is where you can come uh, to one place and find out what everybody's pain points are and what they've been through exactly. and how they've uh, benefited from, you know, DDD expertise and, um, what they've learned and it will reinforce that it is possible, but it's not, it's not a, you know, one-time miraculous sort of thing. It just takes hard work. And I, you know, sometimes I just tell companies, you may not actually ever completely unplug the legacy. You may not, Mm -hmm. right. You would, you hope you can, and maybe you will, but you know, You know, if you, if, systems are there because they're so valuable, right? Right, and, and they they're often cash cow systems that yeah. that organizations have been relying on for a decade or two or more in some yeah. cases. And you know, like I I was uh, working with a bank. Well, I've worked with some different banks, but one in particular. You know, they really wanted to get off of the mainframe and mainframe languages like COBOL, RPG, and so forth. And they, um, you know, <laughs> they had like, they have like 50 million lines of code running on this mainframe, plus other ancillary systems that they've purchased, you know, right. things and, and configured them or in. <laughs> integrated in and all these things. And, and I tried to explain to them, I said, okay, look, let's just, let's take, Okay, first of all, how many lines of, you know, the 50 million lines of code are completely obsolete? And they actually did a study on that and they said, well, let's say that about, it's about 15 million. We can probably just dust 15 wow. million lines, right? Because it's just not even doing anything anymore. And I, and I've seen that several times in, in financial services companies where 
mm-hmm. even up to 85% of the business rules are obsolete. And they know, wow. like, they can you imagine now, like, re-implementing 85% of a system that you didn't know was obsolete until you, until you realize, oh, right. why is, why, why is our right. logging not getting hit? And, that, 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 yeah, yeah. That <laughs> exactly. Even in place anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, so now, um, uh, so, okay. But in this case, it's not 85%. It's whatever it is. Uh, 30% or 25% or something that you don't need anymore. Great. Okay. So let's just take 35,000 lines of code. Hmm. What do we get there? Let's say, let's just pretend that we could convert 100,000 lines of COBOL code or whatever it is running on the mainframe right. to Java. Let's say just Java, I, and I'm not saying one for one. Uh, you know, people get this confused. I'm not saying translate one line for one line. I'm just saying you, if you could translate 100,000 lines of this legacy code to however many lines of code you would need in Java, okay, and you could eliminate 100,000 lines of legacy code per week, it would still take you more than 12 years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, so let's, let's face the music here. Like you can, you can try all you want to, to just make all that stuff go away. That's 40, 50 years old. It's just not going away very soon. Right. And it's not like you can then say, well, you know, cause I I might hear someone say this, okay, well, we'll just put 12 teams on it at the same time. And it'll be, (laughs) then it'll only take one year. And it'll only take one year. It's like, have you read the mythical man? (laughs) Yeah, what um, you're going to, it's going to take 24 years then, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, or some, or maybe 50. So, yeah. yeah who knows? Who so, knows? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I, I think that's a really key point. And uh, so really helping people under, understand and focus on the areas where the real opportunities are. And, you know, a lot of what I've done over the last few years in terms of consulting has been, been doing you know, like a big picture event storming where we come in and map a value stream and uh, where, where we've got a flow, a business flow that crosses over, as you know, like multiple teams and then trying to go from there to, okay, where are the real pain points? What are potential domain boundaries? Things like that. And, and then try to answer the types of questions you're, you're describing. Where's the value in this process? Mm-hmm. How, how does this map to even whatever OKRs you might have in place mm-hmm. at the moment or whatever else mm-hmm. you use to measure progress and, and set targets. So, yeah. yeah, being able to see how different things relate to each other is a key part of this. Oh, oh and another thing about it, about Explore DDD and Event Storming is you can actually attend Alberto's masterclass on uh, event storming, right? Right. There. So, so I... I can't guarantee this, but I'm pretty sure that it's the only time he'll be teaching it in North America, at least next year. Uh, he doesn't tend to come out to the U.S. And, unless <laughs> unless I provide some kind of incentive, so or somebody does. So anyway, he uh, yeah, it's a chance for people to really learn from Alberto, and 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 not just from the person that came up with it, but Al- Alberto has continued to kind of innovate and push the boundaries of what you can do with event storming. So I think it's also a chance of an opportunity for people to, you know, to, to see what's the state of the art in terms of um, event storming. Um, 
and you know there'll be the opportunity to learn from him and then i'll put a plug in for you as well you have your two-day pre-conference workshop happening as well that um, by the time i'm sure this gets published it'll be up on the website and people can register for it and 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 then there'll be hands-on sessions during the conference you know two-hour labs where people can put these things into practice and they'll be able to connect with you and alberto and and other speakers as well to really be able to pick people's brains on you know how to how to uh, solve some of the things that they might be tackling in their situations and you're you're teaching two days too right your essential right. ddd yep. yeah so my kind of essential ddd in terms of fundamentals so it's really meant to take someone from not knowing anything about domain driven design to you know why do we care about domain modeling what what is event storming and practice that and then aspects of strategic design as well as refactoring code and that type of stuff. So I really try and cover all the bases for that, um, whether or not someone is a developer or not. So it's a lot of fun and hopefully we'll, um, you know, we'll have good attendance and be able to really get the word out about all these things. Yeah. I want to break, I want to break whatever, whatever, um, records you had before that's, I want to break those yeah I break want to those. break those yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean we break all we, the records yeah and you know and I'm just going to say okay the US Canada and other countries on this side of the right you know, the Americas they need it badly I, I have engaged with enough companies to know that they've all got the exact same situations different domains some same domains, but they need to, they need to be at the conference. And, you know, um, even if you walk away from a conference with, you know, you think like, okay, am I going to remember all this stuff? What you can remember is that other people succeed and you're going to hear good, good accounts from them, which is going to give you energy to, to do that. And so just being in the networking situation is sometimes for, for, you know, I'll say even for a lot of people, even more important than the talks, you know, I mean, yeah. Uh, okay. The talks are great. Of course, Eric's going right. to give a talk, right? Is that true? Eric's going to give a talk. Yes. So, well, a couple of things about that. So, you know, all the talks will be videoed and will be available. So, uh, that people won't miss out on seeing any talk that we might be listed, but to your point, the, the whole, you know, what people might call the hallway track or the hallway conversations is, is really why I go to, to conferences and being able to connect with the speakers. And we really have two, two predominant themes in March uh, at Explore DDD. The, the first one, Eric will actually be doing the opening keynote on um, the rise of LLMs in particular and, and the intersection between LLMs and, you know, uh, ubiquitous language and domain modeling. I mean, we domain-driven design at the heart of it is this notion of uh, models and language. And so, um, you know, how might LLMs tie into that is, is a lot of people are asking that. And, and so that'll be kind of, we'll have some content around that, both talks and hand-on session, hands-on sessions. And then the other part is, uh, which, you know, you'll be speaking to on the, the other keynote, uh, in the morning is is the, really the theme around application modernization and and just all the challenges that people have with that and we have also prioritized uh, case study talks around that so like you mentioned 
um, people can hear war stories of other people that have, um, you know, met these challenges and been able to, to move forward. And, and we're really trying to provide a, a broad set of uh, content around application modernization in all the different forms that that takes. And as I understand it, nobody should fear that, uh, like, there might not be enough room for them because I think the the, the facility that you have, the venue, um, can expand for you, right? Like it's, if you it's <laughs> scale, it's scale is good. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not infinitely scalable. It's not infinitely elastic, but. Uh, it's but the it's embassy, a- embassy suites and we have uh, extension points in terms of <laughs> if we get more people than we expect, then we'll be able to accommodate those. And we're, yeah. we're putting a lot of effort into uh, it's a different venue from where we've had in the past and it's bigger than what we've had in the past. So with a, a view to having more people come and providing yeah. more opportunities, we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. and, and hopefully we sell out, hopefully it's a great event and we continue to expand over time because I think yeah. it's, um, I mean, I'm biased, but I think it provides a lot of value and and uh, and that it's, it's a very unique conference in terms of what's on offer. And I think when people come, they experience that. And I've heard lots of stories from people saying how much they've appreciated the, just the sense of participation and collaboration that there is at, at this conference that, that maybe they don't see it at other more commercial conferences or more tool focused conferences. And, you know, to my thinking, wow, Eric's giving a talk on LLMs, like mm-hmm. uh, for DDD, that's worth the whole conference. You know, in conversations with Eric, there seem to be sort of at least two different aspects of it. There's the, the notion of using an LLM similar to Copilot, for example, as a productivity tool that's, you know, in terms of coding and, and that type of thing. But then there's the more, I guess, exploratory aspect of this of, you know, how could we use LLMs in domain modeling, right? Mm -hmm. How could, you know, is it possible to ask a tool like ChatGPT, maybe not in the current version, but in future versions, to be able to somehow have it do some of the knowledge crunching for you Mm -hmm. and, and spit out? some things, you know, some recommendations, uh, who knows, right? That's, that's the kind of area that I think we'll, we'll cover both, but I think that second area is, is perhaps where there's a bit of a, an, you know, a sea change, maybe more than, than mm-hmm. we we've even thought about. And, and as a community being aware of that and, and, um, and seeing this as a fairly, as, as a groundbreaking kind of shift in, in the way mm-hmm. that, these tools work. I mean, I can't wait to hear Eric's uh, talk about that. My, you know, keynote. So it's going to be. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I would encourage people. So March is a, a really nice time in Colorado. Uh, people can come and ski uh, if they want um, around the conference. And you know, downtown is only an hour or so from the ski resorts. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, we weren't able to do that in September because the ski season was already over, but this will be a bit of an experiment to give people an opportunity to, you know, really take advantage of Colorado. So hopefully there will be like the, enough snow for people to enjoy it, but not so much that it actually shuts down anything because that's also a possibility in March, April. <laughs> Lots to yeah. do. Paul, man, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Yeah, this yeah. is good. Thank you for having me on the the podcast and and yeah you've made me look forward to march even more now in terms of 
there's a lot of work that has to be done to get ready for it. And uh, we've got a really good team in place in terms of putting the conference on. And yeah, looking forward to hopefully seeing as many people as we can at the Embassy Suites in March. Excellent. Let's break the records. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Okay, Paul, really great to talk with you again. Um, We'll see you soon. Take care. See you soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this interview, please subscribe and stay tuned for more. This podcast is sponsored and produced by Kalele, makers of Domo Roboto and the Zoom platform. To learn more, visit kalele.io. That's K-A-L-E-L-E dot I-O. Thanks for listening.